I'm here, Janesville, Wisconsin, March 12th, 2021. So today I think what we're gonna do is, uh, we, got, we got some cool, we got some new, cool new equipment. We can uh, just give them a little preview of the, of the share screen thing that we got here. Audine. All right, I'll cut it off, but you, we can share screens now. So today we're gonna go through, you can cut it off. So that's cool, dude. Madine, Madine, you got, and then like the, the logo was still in the upper yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is like, this is, this, this is professional stuff around here. Madine's been around for like six episodes and stuff is. I think we just gotta give the credit to his mentor. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Um, yeah, today I know there's questions last week. We were talking about uh, budgeting for uh, acquisitions and projections and, and doing that thing. I think what we'll do is uh, get into one of my spreadsheets and go just go through kind of how I do it so you can visualize it a little bit more. I'll share my screen and um, I haven't like prepped for this at all. So there might be certain things I'm gonna have to quickly get off the screen that I can't show. So, well, maybe I can get it set up he before. Can, he can close it. Okay, we'll it keep it. Yeah, we'll keep it off while I get it kind of set up and pick a property or whatever. But we'll go through and just show you guys like how I kind of look at it, look at deals. And then I don't know how much time we have. I got a hard stop. This is gonna be a 58 minute episode today. I got a one o'clock Zoom. Um, and then what we'll try to do is go through Appfolio financials that you can see then how we're actually tracking numbers and breaking all that stuff down our systems and what I'm looking at uh, all the time. So this could probably be like an eight hour episode today. Probably roll for eight hours. Eight hour live YouTube. That'd be crazy. Um, so yeah, other than that, I, I do really quick just want to check. Oh, I can't, I can't. We're on live on Instagram, so I can't, but I was gonna, gonna want to check um, to see if we had any questions on Instagram. I can check that later. I'll end the live on Instagram okay. later or something like that. All right, so let's just ju jump into this. Let me, um, by the way, while I'm pulling this thing up on the computer, yesterday, was it yesterday? No, two days ago, Ryder closed on yep. the seven unit. Yep. There's a picture. You can pull that up. I can pull it up. I'm gonna pull it up real quick. Where'd you put it? On, is it on Facebook? Instagram. All right, I'm gonna go to your mom's page. It'll just be easier for me to navigate on my computer, I feel like. Versus trying to find you on Instagram through a computer. But here's, here's, uh, hold on, I'm not there yet. Well, you can see my computer over there, can't you? No, not until Oh, you can't, okay. I'm gonna pull up Ryder standing in front of his, uh, uh oh. Did your mom delete it? No, you might, she might have two problems. There, got it, got it, got it. All right. Let's, uh, yep. Look at that. Wow. Seven units for Ryder. What is it? Three units in the green and yep, yep. four in the other thing? Yep. Plus you got the garages Eight in the back. In the back. Yep. Look at that. You're holding the wrist and everything. Posing. I, yeah, I don't know what this pic I that was that was not supposed to be the picture she posted, but And then there's another one right here. So seven units, dude. Congrats. That's awesome. You can see the caution tape on my feet. If, if you're listening, people that are listening, I guess, right now can't see this, but right now on the screen in the room and people that are watching live can see it. There are pictures of Ryder, uh, his mom took of him, I'm assuming his mom took of, of him in front of his two buildings that he just bought a couple days ago down in Rockford, Illinois. Um, yeah, so he's starting to buy for some real estate. Starting to buy it up. All right, hide my screen, Modine. We're going to bring up... Uh, <laughs> come on, quick on the draw. You just got to be able to read my mind over there, Modine. Um, oh, there's something else I want to do too. Madine, here you go, man. Yes. You bet. So it's part-time. I just handed Madine a job offer. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, so, yeah. 
So I think like, you know, wow, live on the air. I hope you don't mind that. Live on <laughs> live on the air, Maudine getting a job. We're just I'm just handing out jobs like yeah. Oprah today. I got a few job offers out there for painters and some other stuff. It's like Oprah. If you work hard around here though, work hard, you show up, your results driven, uh, you're wanting to get better at your craft. I'll throw out like I'm like Oprah then I'll throw out jobs all day. We got people. Yeah, so 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 uh Maudine's been just showing up for I don't know. What what episode did you show up here? Um, episode six, seven, so you've been around for like five episodes. So I've just been like every now and then I'll just throw him a hundred dollar bill because he's just been helping us out. So now huh? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was the next show. Yeah. So Maudine, yeah, man, you can think about that over the weekend or whatever, and then if you're good to go with it, just you gotta read it. I mean you said thank you already, but maybe there's something in there that you're like, oh man, screw this guy. So uh so yeah. Excited to get you on board part time and, and then go from there and hopefully at some point you'd be wanting to do a little bit more. But I don't think on there like you'll also be doing kind of what Ryder did with the before and after pictures of, of you know prime painters and stuff too and doing this stuff and so awesome. so I didn't even know that. That was no, I know, right? Surprise. All right. Let's jump into this now. Let me find so what we're gonna do is I'm gonna show you guys the spreadsheet that I use um for looking at deals and and before we get there i know I, I just got you guys on the edge of your seats who really want to see this because i know some people really want to see this um but before we get there the, there's one question we got from eddie question for the show if you have a deal that had two years negative revenue but full occupancy what does that tell you about the property would you still purchase it if opportunity was there good price um if you have a deal that had two years negative revenue with negative profit or something, cash flow, is that what he means? Eddie, do you mean cash flow, negative cash flow or negative? I mean, if if so, um, Eddie, it depends, right? I'll do a deal that we would have to front money to and be negative from a cash flow standpoint if it's pretty relatively close to break even. If the upside is big enough, we're like, if we can raise rents $200 a unit, by doing some relatively light things and it's a relative no-brainer like compared to just rent disparity in the area and all that stuff then yes i think it's an opportunity to look at um but not i don't think all deals should be treated equal when when that's the case um have i done deals like that before you know yes you know there's a couple deals that were just barely break even or you know a little bit under break even from a cash flow standpoint but the upside opportunity i thought was it was so likely to happen uh, with with relatively little effort and relatively little risk, just some minor things that it wasn't huge construction, all that stuff. Then we jumped in and did that, and we were successful doing it. So, um, so that just that just depends. Now, obviously, it's a little bit more risk, right? So, um, what I would do too is during that due diligence phase, if it, once you're getting through there, that might be an opportunity, and and you don't you don't always want to do this, in my opinion, because you don't want to be known as someone that renegotiates. But if you get this thing under contract at the terms that you're talking about uh, right here where the cash flow is negative, you're gonna get to go through and you're gonna get to see how intensive things are, how many CapEx projects you have coming up and what those dollar amounts might be. And you might be able to negotiate the seller giving back, you know, either lowering the price or the seller giving back cash at closing to make up you know, for some of those reserves and stuff like that. So um, I think if you're optimistic about the area, you, you love the area, you think that there's some huge upside, I think it's probably worth at least pursuing and not just walking away from, but at least pursuing, trying to get under contract. And then once you're under contract, now you've you've committed some time to it. The seller has also committed some time to it. And the more time sometimes you can get people to commit, 
uh, the more attached they become to just getting a deal done, which might give you a little bit of leverage to renegotiate. But once again, I, I try not to I try not to renegotiate too much because I, I'm going to be doing this for a long time. I don't want to necessarily be known as someone that renegotiates a deal because that that would get out as you're building, no doubt about it. And, and um, other people talk. So that's just something to be aware of. But um, so there's a lot of variables. But I, my advice just on it's a very general question that you gave me. I don't know any of the specifics with what you're telling me there, I would still pursue the deal and then try to figure out, try to figure out how you can make it, make it work and, and kind of go from there. So, um, all right, let's jump in. I got to find, let's see what deal. Um, actually what I'll do is here, let me see this I'm trying to find a deal. I can't do a deal that I'm underwriting right now. That's off market. Um, if I pull up, what deal do I have to show you guys? And I didn't have time before the show to go through and do this, so I apologize. I'll just do this one. Two seconds should be popping up. Oh, but I got the name of the. I can't do that one. Can't do that one. I can't have you guys see the name of a deal that I'm working on right now. So, uh, one more second. Let me find a different one that'll be a good. Because I want to find a template that I've gone far enough in. So this is a thing too. This is a learning point right now. Uh, I if I start to I don't run numbers on every single deal that I do I get a, I try to look at the property first right I try to look at the area know the area a lot of the areas that I'm working in now I already understand a lot of the areas I want to make sure it's the area I want to be in I want to make sure that the property I get a good feel on the property um, so I'll actually Google map it first and try to you know do that I'll do a drive by and then I'll spend more time if it's something that I think could work when I look at a high level from a numbers standpoint because you you do this enough you start to understand okay this is gonna work or this isn't gonna work based on the price point and in the age of the property, right? So if it falls into that category of it could work, that's then where I'll start allocating more time towards these deals. So if I'm gonna go out and look at 100 deals to buy one or two or three, I'm not actually running the numbers in depth through my spreadsheets on all 100 deals because of the time that that would take. I try to, I, I, I'll throw out probably 50 deals as they come across my desk because I'll look into them a little bit. Just, I don't even need to look. I, I can tell, I can tell by the price. I can tell by some of the high level numbers and the rents and the area um, that is something that I'm not gonna want, right? And then I got another like maybe, I don't know, 20 or 30 or 40 that I'll, I'll go through and I'll actually end up going. Actually, so the other 50 that are left, I'll start doing the underwriting, right? And then I start to do it and right away it kind of starts to throw some red flags, not make sense, I'll throw them out. And then I got the, you know, maybe 10, 15, 20, I don't know if my math is adding up there, but another handful that I'll go much more in depth. And that's one that I'm trying to pull up. I'm trying to pull that example up on my computer right now so you can see it. Um, but I'll go much more in depth uh, into those, right? And, and not have to, it just saves yourself a ton of time. Now, when you're first starting, when I was first starting, I would go through in depth all the way through on the numbers 100% because it was my way to learn, right? 
And I would recommend that you do that too if you're just starting. So like someone like Ryder, he should do that. Like every deal he comes across, he should do it because it's a good exercise for him. But then as he starts to learn the market, as he starts to operate his own property, once he's gone and looked at 100 or 150 deals, he doesn't have to do that every single time anymore because now you just start to look at, you'll start to look at numbers be like, oh, okay, it makes, you know, it makes, and you've probably been, being here actually has probably accelerated you a little bit to understand what to look for. Um, but so that's that. So then once I do get that group though of, of properties that I'm excited about the area, I'm excited about the initial opportunity looking at it from a high level. Um, and I start to go through the initial, start to plug in the initial data points on my spreadsheet and it's starting to look even better, more appealing. Then I'll go all the way through, right? I'll go all the way through and make sure, you know, that we're, we're um, underwriting it all the way, right? But it takes time. And I don't want to do that in every deal because it's, it's just not worth my time. So let me jump. I know exactly which one I'm going to do now. I'm going to pull it up. Uh, and then what we'll do is we'll pull up. Uh, if we have enough time, we'll pull up. And you guys can ask questions on just, I don't know if someone can watch. Can you guys just check our <laughs> Facebook too and see if anyone does leave any questions? I don't know if it's streaming on my personal page or the business page today. Just to see if anyone's asking questions there. Um, I'll keep an eye on Instagram because it's in front of me. If you're watching on Instagram, if you're just listening right now, um, if you flip over, if you want to watch, because right now I'm going to share my screen on the computer to kind of go through some of this stuff. I'll link it. No questions? Okay. All right, so let's look at look at this. Is there a way we can I don't want I can't show this top bar. I still don't want to show the name of this property either. All right, share my screen really quick. Is there a way you can edit where it doesn't show where it doesn't show the top part? Yeah. I mean, it's too late now. Yeah, that'll work. That will work. That name doesn't matter. All right. So here's kind of what we've got, right? And so this right here is what my spreadsheet looks like. And so if you can follow on here, we've all, I always go through, I always do a gross potential rent, right? And so on here, I've got the T12, which is in uh, column or yeah, column, what is that, I? Um, H, I, J, yeah, I. <laughs> I couldn't tell, I'm like, is that I or no? Uh, Column I, I've got the T12. T12, and sometimes I'll use a T3 and just annualize it, but the T12 is the trailing 12 months of the current ownership's operations. So this was their gross potential rent according to their rent rolls. Some of these are blank because with their financial statements and how they have it done, I can't actually kind of fill in some of those blanks. It's not very easy to. I can tell what their vacancy is. I can tell, you know, sometimes I can tell what their vacancy is. I can tell what their total rental income was. Sometimes they don't have bad debt. So scrolling down to like row 13, sometimes they don't have it, right? Sometimes they don't have um, other income. In this scenario, they did, okay? So if I'm looking in this row that I've got highlighted here, 
row i, these are all actuals. Now, when I say actuals, it's, it's what they're reporting, right? So, you know, you, you don't want to think that everyone's a liar, but I think that everyone's a liar. So, so I, I, try to, I try to take this and I look at it with a grain of salt. And, and then here's our main buckets, right? We talked about this last week. And if you're listening to this, watching this, whatever, after this episode, you're probably going to want to go back to last week where I answered this question when in depth. But here's our buckets, our main buckets. Now, when we're actually, and, and when we go forward here in a little bit and you actually see an actual operations of our property, you're going to see that each of these buckets that I've highlighted here, payroll, management fee, buddy, my head's kind of in the way. Do you think we can like, actually, here's what I can do. Yes. Hold on. I'll shrink it and I'll go down. Yeah, that would, yeah, that would work too. Um, so payroll, management fee, right? Administrative contracted services. These are just the big buckets. But then like, for example, under payroll here in E18, We've got, we've got maintenance, cost of maintenance, our leasing agents and our property managers, right? Leasing commissions, um, or leasing bonuses, bonuses I should say. Uh, and then we have management fee, right? Administrative, under administrative, we have other line items, but administrative is the big bucket. I do not, when I'm doing this high level stuff, I don't wanna get too, too into the details of each like line item of, you know, of administrative and everything. Now, when I'm transferring this data over, Right. It typically. I don't have this whole thing filled out either. It, I typically will take the owner's spreadsheet and in, in that owner's spreadsheet, he'll break payroll out just like we would in our actual operations. They'll break pay, payroll out and show maintenance. They'll show the manager. Right. But then what I'll do next to that is I'll write payroll payroll. Right. I, I write what the category would be for for us so that I can get this on a basis that's relative to the language that we speak and the language we speak. Like when I say language, right, everyone, there's no there's no like 100 percent set in stone um, labels for how you should label and code your bills and expenses. Right. So I want to kind of normalize it to our standards so that we're speaking. It's kind of more apples to apples comparison. Right. Because some people. Some owners will actually put some like their contracted services in repairs and maintenance. I don't do that. I put them in contracted services. So contracted services for us would be any company we hire to come in and do the lawn mowing, the snow removal. That's a contracted service. The elevator maintenance uh, contracts that you have, it's contracted services, right? Some owners do put it in repairs and maintenance. So if when I'm going through their through their um, financials and they've got they've got lawn care and snow removal in repairs and maintenance. I recategorize it up to contracted services just so that I can compare uh, and kind of have an idea of where things are based on how we treat things and, and run things. Um, and so then that's how I come up with these numbers right here. These numbers are just the big buckets, right? So you got the real estate taxes, repairs and maintenance, the insurance. Um, and then this, this column right here, I've got all of them broken out on a per unit basis, right? So this, this was, you know, a, a 70, eight unit building or whatever. So it's this number, this total aggregate number, right, for each bucket divided by, so now I know the, the, the per unit cost for each large category and what that cost was when the owner was operating the deal, right? And so then when you start to go over more to the right um, in, in, in column L, we have year one 
for our operations once we own it. And we have column M, that's you know year two. We've got column N, that's year three. Oh, that's year four, right? And so on and so forth. And I go all the way out through 10 years. Now, what I do to find our gross potential rents, I, I, take, I will actually take all their unit sizes. Let me see if I have the rent rolls in here. So right here, I take in this spreadsheet right here, you can see that I take all the unit, all the different, and once again, if you're listening, this is gonna be, hard, this is gonna be a hard episode to listen to. You're gonna have to go check it out on my YouTube channel, right? Because right now on my screen, you're able to see exactly what I'm talking about. But I've got, I take all of the, the layouts, right? Two bed, one and a half, two bed, one and a half, because I've got, I got different, I have multiple layouts of two bed, one and a half units, because there's different square footage on each of them, a little bit different layout. And then I've got the average rents. And these average rents are current with the current owner. And so then I've got those amounts that equal the current owner's rent per square foot. But then what I've got in this column right here in column H on our rent roll page is I've got our square foot, what, what we think when we take over the asset, what the actual market based, we do market research, right? We figure out what the going rates are for these apartments. A lot of what we're buying is is they don't they're not hitting the rents that they should because an owner has had them for a long time and it's just gotten lazy, right? They just don't want to deal with it. So like you can see this one, the owner's operating it where the average rents are a dollar twelve a square foot. But for our market rents, we think it's actually should be a dollar sixteen square foot, which would take the rent from one thousand two hundred and fifty one to one thousand two hundred and ninety nine. And then the second layout, right? Well, the seller right now is operating at a dollar nine a square foot is the rent. Our market rent is a dollar fourteen a square foot. Then the next one, so on and so forth, right? So with us, we're trying to figure out the true gross potential rent. And then I take how many units of each layout over here in column N, and it will multiply the rents. So now I get for the year, for the year, I have the total gross potential rent, which is one point two one million. Now that number is gonna come over to our 10-year projections, which is right here, the 1.21 million. And then to figure out our loss to lease, I take the current rent roll, I'll add in the vacancies, because I don't wanna include vacancies in our loss to lease calculation. So I add back in the market rate at which the, the apartments are vacant, but then I subtract the differences of where the rents currently are to where they should be based on the market. So that's how I come up with our loss to lease number. Now, the greater that loss to lease number, the more opportunity there is to, which this, this deal that we're looking at right here is relatively low. There's only like a 1% you know, loss to lease. A lot of deals that we look at, there will actually be anywhere from, there will be anywhere from a, a 3% to a 10% loss to lease, which then if we can buy it cash flowing, at the current rent roll of how the owner is buying, now we got a lot of room on the table to increase rents and get those rents up to the market value to then uh, lower the loss to lease. And when you lower the loss to lease, you're gonna have a higher revenue number, which is then gonna help your net operating income and you're gonna have a more profitable or more valuable property. And so then we've got the rent roll, right? And our total rent roll potential, ignore that call, I don't know who it's coming from. Um, now our total rent roll potential is the gross potential rent minus the loss to lease. And that gives us our rent roll potential. And then under that, I've got our assumed vacancy, right? Which I'm assuming on this deal, it's a 3% vacancy all the way through. Now, typically in other markets, this was a specific market where I had 3% vacancies for a reason. 
in other deals year one this vacancy will be five percent sometimes in year one it'll be ten percent sometimes it'll be 15 or 16 percent um then year two on the deals that is like 16 percent vacancy then year two i'll say maybe it's gonna be eight percent and then year three forward i'll kind of normalize it with what the market tells me which whether it's three percent two percent five percent six percent just based on what the market tells me so we can adjust all these things in my pro forma and when i adjust the vacancy rate then down here in row 10 column l the vacancy loss for the year will be calculated and it'll back out so now i've got my total rental income in row 12 and then i've got bad debt and concessions right so here i'm taking 0.75 percent of the rental income is going to be bad debt bad debt meaning we're just not going to collect it and freaking a right now with covid going on we got a lot of bad debt more than normal you can actually tell we have graphs and charts that Ava's worked on that literally if you took off the dates, you would be able to tell when you were no longer to evict, able to evict people and when COVID hit because all of a sudden our delinquencies and our, our, our delinquencies go from like, you know, flat line, hardly anything, maybe 0.5% and then all of a sudden it just spikes because there's nothing we can really do about it and you know, it is what it is. But it'll, normal, it'll normalize out and it'll be all good. Um, and then I've got other income for us, you know, other income. I use kind of what our standard numbers are for other income, no matter what. So like you can see here, the owner, he had $173 per unit per year for, of other income. And other income could be pet fees, parking fees, um, bill backs for water, trash, sewer, heat. Uh, it could be, it's late rent it payments, it's keeping of the security deposits, it's um, you know charging for work orders that we have to go in and do because the tenant was negligent, right? So a lot of, a lot of buyers that we, a lot of sellers that we buy from, they don't actually have uh, very much other income on a per unit basis. Usually it's somewhere between 50 to $200 per unit per year. Ours is usually between 350 to $450 per unit per year because we're charging application fees all the time. We're charging, you know, at properties we have amenities, we're charging in a one-time amenity fee up front of 50, 75, 100, 125, $150, $200 based on market. We charge pet fee up front. We don't do a deposit up front. We charge a pet fee up front. That's something our CEO CJ wanted to do. I'm like, hey, let's do it. So instead of taking a deposit for pets, we charge a monthly fee based on the market. So it could be $20, it could be $30, it could be $50 a month for your pet. But then at move-in, there's also a $100 to $200 one-time fee for that. And we have it be a fee so that it shows up on the revenue and it makes a difference on our net operating income, right? And then obviously, you know, we also are charging a lot of people, a lot of, you know, you can call us whatever you want to call us, but a lot of people who are in real estate won't charge back for if a tenant throws a ball in an apartment and breaks a light bulb, that work order should be billed back to the tenant period like there's plenty of things that we just take care of because it's it's part of you know regular uh issues and you know regular um regular wear and tear normal wear and tear of a property but when it's it's due to you know we've had properties where like people will try to, it's, it's insane what people will try to shove down a garbage disposal in a sink like when we have some crazy stuff that we're pulling out of gar a clogged garbage disposal, we're charging that back to the tenant. So that's kind of where this falls. It falls under the un other income. And that's why ours is typically so high, you know, because we're charging for, you know, for those things um, going forward. So then when I start to go down to year one, I've got, you know, I I'm looking at 
the seller's expenses, right? And I always want to try to try to see how I can verify what he's presenting to me. So like the one thing that's big that you can always usually verify is utilities. You can verify the real estate taxes. Um, you can verify a lot of those things because there's actual bills for like utilities, right? You can verify a lot of contracted services because you can you can get what what waste management or advanced disposal or whatever disposal company is charging them per month in the contract. You can see the service contracts for snow removal and lawn care and the elevator. So some of that stuff you can verify. So you go through and you verify as many of these as possible. You don't just rely on the financials because number one, they could be lying. I'm not calling everyone a liar, but I think everyone's a liar. And number two, um, they could have just made a mistake. Right. I mean, we make we make mistakes here all the time. So they could have made a coding mistake or, you know, whatever. Um, and when when you, you don't want to find out about that mistake later and expect utilities to be way lower than they are and, and, and whatnot. So we try to verify as much as possible. Then what we'll do is I'll go through and I'll set set our year one expenses based on our current operations. So. I, I kind of know our per unit based on property type and, type and everything. I kind of know our per unit cost for payroll. I know our, you know, our, our management fees. So like right here, this person had zero management fees. Well, that's not how we operate. We don't operate. So I don't care. We, we don't, I don't underwrite that that way because we operate with a management fee, right? It's 5% sometimes, sometimes it's 3% depending on the size of the property. So that's what I've got right here calculated in. Then administrative fees. I know what our administrative fees are. And so a lot of times when you see this high of administrative fees in, in, um, when I see this high administrative fees, I just know that they're running other things through their business that actually aren't related to the business. So like it could be multiple vehicles, it could be, you know, whatever, and we're not going to have multiple. So I know that we're, we're anywhere between 120, depending on the size of the, the property, we're anywhere between 120 up to 180 to $200 per unit per year, which right here, I've got $160 per unit per year in our administrative and and that includes you know legal fees for evictions that includes uh, office supplies that includes the cost of running background checks and credit checks on potential tenants and so things like that then we've got uh that that includes you know like if we have a leased printer or copier that's in there right so that's that's some of the administrative stuff and then we've got contracted services so contracted services in row 21 here that i've got highlighted uh, they've got 45,614. I've got 27,500. I don't remember why I did that here. I think the reason that I did that here was because they had contracted services in there that I knew that we could ultimately get a better rate. When I looked at how much they were paying for, um, you know, lawn care, how much they were in what they were doing, um, I, I was able to, you know, come in at a much more competitive number. This forty-five thousand, I think, also when I was reviewing it, it some of it probably could have, could have fell under the capex because some of it was more of like things that you don't have to do every single year, like mulching and planting of trees and trimming of trees and whatever things that you might do every other year, or every third year. Um, but for this example and for when I was looking at this, I just kept it up there. So I I know that our contracted services are going to be anywhere from three hundred to five hundred and twenty-five. Um, dollars per unit per year, depending on the size. Here, think about this, right? If you have a 16 uh, floor property that's on a tenth of an acre, you might have, you're, you're obviously going to have less lawn care, right? There's probably going to be less contracted services there than the property that I have that's 199 units on 14 acres. 
right? 14 acres is going to have a lot more for snow removal, and it's going to have a lot more for uh, um, lawn care, obviously, right? So that's why there's the fluctuation, and that's why I said, you know, we can be in a range of this and that for our contracted services. Then we've got marketing, how much we think we'll do on marketing. For this example, I just kept it the same. You know, there's some properties that do zero marketing. There's some properties that will be at 70 or 75 units or 70, 75 or $100 a unit um, per, per seven, geez, tongue twister. Sometimes we will be 70 to $100 per unit per year in our marketing. Um, this one, I was confident just because of the, the strength of the market that this building was in, I was confident that we'd get away with a little less marketing and be able to keep kind of their same marketing program. Utilities, um, I've learned in utilities that for some reason, I, I mean, utilities are always hit or miss. There's some years that it seems like they raise their, they raise their costs so much for us. Um, and so I've always just inflated it over the previous year by quite a bit. Um, and sometimes also I'll find do, going through you out of here, Ryder. Yeah, I got four estimates. All right, go go sell a freaking paint job, dude. Get out of here. All right. Um, but sometimes with these utilities, you know, there's a deal right now that we that we closed in 2019, and our utility bills are way higher than I thought they'd be for whatever reason. Way higher. I don't know if I maybe missed a bill. I, maybe for example, what I did was I trusted his number, and I didn't go as in depth into each single each and every utility bill from the year that he provided. Um, and or a combination and or uh, could be a combination of the um, utility companies raising prices, right? So I've always just started to go higher on some of these things and um, just be a little bit more conservative. You know, our, our, our insurance, I, you know, I have a pretty good idea where we're at per unit on our insurance and based on size, the type of property, the age of property, we're anywhere between $250 and $325 per unit per year for insurance, so I put in our costs. I don't, once again, I don't care as much about what their cost is. Someone comes to me, but their insurance is only $260. Well, great, mine's 250, or great, mine's 300. I don't care what Joe's is right now. I know that when I go get insurance, this is what it's gonna cost me, and this is how it's gonna impact the deal for me. Same thing with repairs and maintenance. Um, so repairs and maintenance, we kind of have a standard that we use per door, um, that I kind of use per door, and repairs and maintenance that's also backing out the capex. So that's not including all new appliances. That's not including, you know, the new flooring that we put in or the completely new paint job that has a ton of drywall patching. That's down in and that'll be um, pulled from our reserve account that we close with. So this is just more regular ongoing repairs, maintenance and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, I we typically spend more on that stuff. I think we stay ahead. We, we number one, we'll always take care of deferred maintenance. Um, we'll always, you know, usually stay ahead of things and and do do a really good job and have a provide a nice a good nice home whereas a lot of other there's a there's a lot of other companies out there that won't they'll just they'll run their properties into the ground and let um let their properties fall apart and we don't do that so our repairs and maintenance usually are higher than than other people um did they just see that no, did you flash that up that was no, cool okay um Martin's playing on the computer over here um and then real estate taxes, I kind of talked about this, but I've got this on here too, obviously. And what you have to be careful of is the year after, I've got a formula in here because the year after that's gonna substantially go up. Um, maybe not the, the next year, but it, within the first two, three, four years, it will substantially, in most scenarios, it will substantially increase. And so I take the purchase price multiplied by 
they're the 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 current area so so the city county however they're currently assessing properties and whatever assessed values they're putting that and whatever ratios that they're putting on uh to figure out their assessed values i'll i'll do that and i'll take the mill rate and figure out you know approximate new value on real estate taxes this used to really confuse me and maybe this could be a whole episode in itself on what i do to try to pinpoint what i think real estate taxes will do when we um have the deal in the future because it can really you know we have a deal that we bought in 2016 and when we bought the deal i want to say that the property taxes were less than a hundred thousand dollars a year and they're up to hundred and thirty thousand dollars a year now hundred and forty thousand dollars a year so huge if you're not planning for that you're you're you know if we didn't plan for that um, you know, I would have thought that this year we would have had $40,000 extra cash than what we really did, right? So you want to be able to plan for that because it can have significant impact on your returns to yourself or, and or your investors later on down the road. And then what I've got for years, you know, two, three, four, five, all the way through 10 is I've got certain um, inflators in place and everything. Our rent roll is based on, you know, it goes back to our rent roll page and I have detail on what our rents, you know, um, I have detail broken out on how much our rents will go up because of us increasing the value and getting new appliances and new cabinets and new countertops and new fixtures and, and all that stuff. Um, and so all this stuff is based on the rest of the database and, and, and um, increases over time. And um, But obviously there's a cost for that increase, right? Well, you've got to account for that. Um, so that's that's a little bit high level. Go back to um, stop sharing my screen. I just want to see if there's any YouTube questions right now. Nope, no YouTube questions. We do have questions. What's flashing up there? Oh, the battery's dying. What battery? Whose battery? So if that dies, or we're done. Is there a plug-in for it? Okay. All right, well, if we get cut off there, it's because the battery dies in here. Um, but I'm gonna pull up, I'm gonna pull up now one of our actuals, our actual, um, screen's not being shared, is it okay? So I'm gonna pull up an actual income statement. Hopefully this is up high enough so that I don't, uh, Wonder, wonder if I can do this real quick. Right or answer or no? But how are you gonna change it? Camera will shut off. We're just gonna go till we die. So, um, yeah. See if you have something to plug it into. So let me pop up. Got a property I'm going to share with you right here. We can get her. Bear with me, bear with me. Can't change the size of this, so that's good. Oh. 
All right, you want to share my screen? Oh, what are the questions? Okay. What are the thoughts on buying apartments, condos, townhomes? All right, let's get into this though. I want to get into this. So go to uh, go to my share screen. Our camera might die today. If it dies today, it dies today. All right, but real quick, this is kind of this is what we're looking at here for. Can I not slide this over? So on the left hand side, you can see now how we break this out. Right. So remember, on my, on my when I was looking at a very high level, all I had was was a few revenue lines. But look at all all the forms of revenue that we have at this property: rent, right? Rent revenue, which is anything from the actual lease. Then we have fee based. We've got the amenities, which at this property there's really not any. Uh, we've got pet pet enrollment fees. We got late payment fees, application fees, lease assumption fees, early termination, right? So a lot of different ways to make to make um, to make money here, right? Fees for cable and internet, water reimbursement, laundry, and then you got total income down here, right? So I don't break out every single thing, but then I use all this data though, so I know and I have broad brushstrokes of what what i what we're getting per door per unit so then i can actually um i can actually make projections on where we'll be so then when we go to expenses right we'll remember right here is on-site personnel right we have manager so this was the payroll item right here but now here it is broken out into its bigger categories such as manager the, the maintenance leasing bonuses right maintenance was high this 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 time, I think we had guys working on um, getting new apartments and stuff done. But this is what it looks like. So when bills come in and when we're billing properties, we're making sure that things are getting coded correctly so that we can see what's going on. Because having things broken out is important from the standpoint of, wow, you did that? So you just swapped a battery. You took the battery out of the camera without the camera going off and shoved yeah, a new battery? You were, you were like... Wow. That's impressive, Muddy. Nice. That's why we just hired you. Uh, um, so, but it's important to have the breakdown of all this because sometimes there's th certain things that will pop out on our financial statements. Where we'll be like scratching our head, "Why did this happen?" Well, comes to find out, we paid a bill twice. When you're when you're starting to grow, you run into issues like that. And if you're not properly organized and properly tracking things, those things just slip through the cracks and they'll never be fixed, right? Or we'll start to see that something is trending, some utility bill is trending a lot higher. Well, 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 I'll be darned. Let's look at it. What's going on, right? And and we start to find out. Oh, our maintenance techs in the five, you know, units that we have, our maintenance techs are leaving the heat. The heat's sitting at 80 degrees in there, right? Well, let's turn the freaking heat down in a vacant unit, right? So it's it's stuff like that that you have to be able to. That's the power of being able to understand your numbers. Remember when we looked at administrative costs before? Well, here it is on my screen. These are all the things that we have in our administrative bucket. And oh, my head is in the way a little bit. Can you move that? No, you can't move that. It's stuck there, huh? So we got telephone, bank service fees, IT tech support, internet, computer hardware, right? Collection fees, legal and eviction fees, which this year is just off the chain with legal and eviction because, yeah, it's just nuts. And, and um, yeah, it's been insane. Uh, licenses, permits, you know, employee relations, postage, that's all administrative stuff. Contracted services, right? So this is going back. This is our landscaping, right? So this is the actual lawn mowing 
at the property. It's the it's the contract that we have with the company. Same thing, snow removal. Right? We got that broken out by itself. We get a pretty good deal over there. Uh trash trash removal. And this is all based on accrual. So they don't bill it, they're not billing us every single month. So that's why right here we've got 3700 because they didn't bill us for these months. That's when we got the bill. Pest control. We've got a pest control contract. Cleaning cleaning services. We've got cleaners for the common areas. That's not we're not doing that in house. That's a, a third party company that we have a contract with that's doing all that stuff. That's what that's what they're they're charging per month. Then we've got marketing. Now we've got utilities. We break out utilities from electricity, uh, natural gas, water, sewer, storm, and vacant unit electric at this property. Some people ask me, why do you track the vacant unit electric? Because if you have it in one, it's going to be very different. It's not going to be very standardized, right? Because if a property is going through a rehab and you have a lot of vacant units, you're going to have a lot of vacant unit electric bills. And you want to be able to take that out from your actual just electricity bill because theoretically if you're going through and and for from a planning purpose and and if you have goals of where you want to get a property to you can bank on that vacant unit electric bill not being as high once you calm down and get things done so what does this tell you right here looking at this right what does this tell you you can learn a lot just by looking at our vacant unit electric right it went from a dollar 33 so someone must have had a small bill that rolled onto us or I don't know, we filled a, a unit and it was only vacant for a day or two maybe and we filled it, right? So that vacant unit, we paid that electric in there for two days it was vacant. But then it goes 146, $23, 179, 573, 567. So what was going on these two months? And I can tell you because I remember, but also just by looking at this, we had more remodels going on that month and there was more vacancy, right? Then the vacancy starts to go down. We get the remodels done. Now the vacancy goes back down and look where we're at now. Right, it's forty-five dollars, eighty-nine dollars, fifty-one dollars, twenty dollars. Excuse me. So, tracking your stuff, knowing your numbers, where's your cash going? Right, be aware. I'm driving. I'm driving some people crazy right now who are trying to show me some other, um, a few business models and stuff. And I'm like, well, show me the money, dude. Where's the money going? You got to know where the money's going because when you know where the money's going. You know how you sh how you you know where you're wasting it. You know where you can do better. You know where you can redirect those dollars to then see more upside in revenue or to just straight up eliminate cost and waste. So you gotta know your stuff. You gotta be able to break this stuff out. Now our repairs and maintenance bucket. Look at all money things are in here, right? I mean we've got janitorial items, supplies, plumbing, painting, miscellaneous, right? We've got a lot of stuff. And then we've got CapEx. And so when I'm talking about CapEx and us taking care of our properties, we take care of our properties and we probably go above and beyond sometimes. But when you can take care, when you can take care of your assets, you know that you're going to be protected on the, on the back on the back end because you're going to have a solid asset that's been taken care of, not a lot of deferred maintenance. And this property is actually um, the property we bought in 2016, and we're still we're still doing remodels there. Pretty much the only thing we have left is just to keep going through remodels as they come up. I mean, they got all new boilers over there, all new roofs, new insulation in the attics. Which, by the way, I wonder. Well, we're good. What? Oh, you got that over? Dang, my dean, you're on top of it. 
But our natural gas and electricity and all that stuff at this property decreased drastically after we put in new boilers, after we had the new roofs and the new insulation put in, just because of our, it was just more energy efficient. So it's awesome to be able to see that. And now you start to get an idea of, well, for the investment, this is how much I saved because my expenses were less. This is how much more revenue I got because it was just a more attractive looking building or uh, a more livable building, a more inviting and friendly building, right? But you got all these things in repairs and maintenance, you got all these things in CapEx. So this is what our stuff looks like and we're always going through. We got, you know, uh, Ava, our controller, goes through with our managers once a month to review the previous month to make sure that all this stuff is right. They go through kind of all the bills, they'll click on all this stuff because when you click on all these all these blue here, you can see all the individual bills and we'll make sure that they're coded right. That's why I can't, that's why I'm about partnerships. And I view partnerships as people that invest, actual business partners and other owners. I view partnerships as employees that you have, right? The vendors that you have. I'm all about you know the, the accounts you use, the, the uh, attorneys that you use, you need those partnerships because this can't be done alone, right? And then once all this stuff kind of gets straightened out each month and it was met with the property managers in a, in a meeting to go through it all, make sure it's all like figure out what's what, double check, you know, figure out any errors, find out things that might be missing or misplaced or miscoded. Then at the end of the month, the week after that, usually it's the third week I think of the month, fourth week of the month, we then sit down with the chief operating officer and Ava and I, and we sit down, we go through, and we can go through a lot quicker. Ideally, that's the goal is we can go through a lot quicker because a lot of this stuff's already taken care of. And then we can start to, now when we go through with our leadership team, now we can start to make high level decisions based on this data information, right? So when we have this data information and we can review it as a team, and it's like, okay, well, if we're spending this much, why? Like, let's get some more bids on that, right? What can we do to, I kicked the camera. What can we do uh, to, to um, are there, is there a way that we can get this stuff wholesale? Can we save on, you know, materials and can we save on parts by buying it wholesale, right? Versus calling the plumbing company for a uh, certain valve for our boiler systems. When we do that, they were like $160 per valve. When we can buy them from a wholesaler, wholesaler and, buy, and install them ourselves, and it's you know twenty two dollars per valve, right? And which we've done because we started to look at some of these costs. It's like okay, where can we improve, right? And now you can't bite the whole apple at once, but usually what I like to try to do is figure out okay, what are the two or three things that can have the biggest impact for the less amount, at least amount of effort, essentially, because there's always things like that. Right, you're never gonna be able to tackle everything that's going wrong. Like I can tell you right now, this whole thing right here, this whole thing sucks. Because we, we, we suck in general, right? We suck at a lot of things, right? And the reason I say that is I don't think we actually suck, but my mind says I wanna do things so good that I'll never actually get to where I wanna be, right? Because we're always chasing it. But in order to try to fix everything here, it's just never gonna happen. Now, by the way, this property has gone from a $6 million property to about a 12, to 10 to $12 million property, right? So that's that, man. 1252, I'm running out of time. So do we have any, let's see if we have any questions on, um, Instagram probably doesn't have any questions because they can't see a damn thing that we're doing on the screen. There's a person watching from Hungary. Uh, 
we have any questions up there? Yeah, Eddie, so going back to your question, um, if it's negative cash flow, yeah, there's a way that you can, um, there's a way, you should still consider buying that property, Eddie, and move forward on it until it doesn't make sense to move forward anymore. Because if you think it has enough upside potential where you're going to buy it for $3 million, it's negative cash flow by you know, $2,000 a month, Okay, well, number one, how are you going to cover that shortfall for a while? How long is it going to take you to get out of that shortfall? But if you can buy that building for $3 million and you think there's potential there, relatively easy potential, a no-brainer, that it's going to be worth $4.5 million after you put your touch into it, then, yeah, you find a way to buy that. Now, if you don't think that the risk is going to be worth the reward, um, then you probably don't do that, right? Thoughts on buying apartments, condos, townhomes to rent? These options are just cheaper to enter in my area rather than buying a home well there's a reason that they're cheaper to buy because there's less people wanting to buy them right so you know but that could be for right now could that change it could change right i think um jake asked this question i think jake if you if you can get into a deal that no matter what you have a little bit of equity in day one based on comps then you should do it now if i were doing that and if it's just one unit condo that i'm buying or two units or whatever I would try to be in that deal for as short amount of time as possible. Get out, flip it, let, get you know, turn my forty thousand dollars into sixty thousand dollars, turn my twenty thousand dollars into thirty, turn my ten thousand dollars into ten, you know, uh, twelve thousand, turn my five thousand dollars into, turn my two hundred thousand dollars into two twenty. I would try to get in and out as fast as possible to move on to the next project. That's what I would do in that situation. I don't think. You know, it's not the best way to go, but it could be a good business model to be able to find anything that's undervalued by the market right now for whatever reason, getting your hands on it, improving it, whether it's cosmetically or just like financially doing your thing to it and then flipping it. I'm all for that. It's a great way to be able to stash more money to go do uh, bigger deals and more deals. So that being said, that's all we've got today. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I don't know if you got everything out of it that you were hoping. I don't know if it was too confusing or not, but I know some of you guys wanted to be able to see how we kind of do some of that stuff. And if there's more questions, leave the questions. Uh, sub, number one, subscribe to our YouTube channel, then uh, leave the questions uh, in the comments and then I can go more in depth on a future episode or just straight up leave me a question comment somewhere else on Instagram or whatever and we'll answer that. that. And, uh, thanks for joining us. Justin Spaulding episode, what is this? The Justin Spaulding Show episode 12 signing off 12:55 p.m.